Christians are not immune to the fact that uh, we believe sometimes that we arrive, that we're already there. Many Christians think that they have the moral high ground simply because they bear the name Christian. So I walk into a room and um, all of a sudden I can start dishing out advice and telling everyone what to do. And we're talking about living sacrifice. We're going to be in Romans and chapter 2, verses 17 through 29, which I know everybody's gasping like right now. Oh my goodness, we're going to read so much today. We've just been reading tiny little chunks, but um, it's really, really not all that many verses when we look at it. So if you open up Romans 2, 17 through 29, again, the title of this sermon, Religious Hypocrisy. Religious Hypocrisy. If you'd read along. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law? For, as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. This is a one-point sermon. Just one point. And here it is. Who you are gains you nothing. Who you are gains you nothing. People think that because of who they are, that they've arrived. And that's exactly the situation that we see in front of us this morning in the book of Romans. These Jews believe that because they're Jews, they have arrived. They're already there. Look what the verse says. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. See, the problem here is the Jews that Paul was addressing here thought that because they were Jews, that they stood in a higher position than the rest of humanity. So think for just a second about those teachers of the law. And what we need to ask is, as I give you this statement one more time, the Jews that Paul was addressing here thought that because they were Jews, that they stood in a higher position than the rest of humanity. The question that we need to ask is, why? Why did they believe that? 
Well, we see three reasons from our passage this morning where we're reading. Uh, there are some more. I've narrowed it down to just three. Reason number one is because of their history. Say, well, where do you get that? Well, the Jews were God's chosen people. So they call themselves Jews, which is exactly what Paul says. So because of their history, because of their lineage, because of who they are, they thought that they had already arrived. Point number two, because they had God's law. We talked about this last time we were in the book of Romans. Whether or not it was fair that God judged us all by the law, knowing some had a greater portion than the others. And as we know, as has been taught to us from the scripture, we will all be judged by what we already know. So obviously, you cannot be condemned for what you do not know. But all of us have a part of the law written on our hearts. All of us have a conscience that bears witness to the existence of God as creator of all things, as the standard by which all things are measured, which is why people are so offended when you go and mention God's name or any, any specific fact that is religious. People are offended because they do not want to answer to a higher authority. If you get a chance to read the um, Pastor's Thoughts blog from Friday, it was about uh, Raven Simone and um, an article, excuse me, it was an interview that she had where she was talking about um, all religions being uh, about being good, about just behaving ourselves, that that's the point of all religions, kind of leads us back to this same exact type of thinking. They thought, because they had God's law, that they arrived. So, therefore, they had a reason to boast in God, right? Because they were the ones that kept the law. They were the ones that had the law. So, one, they thought they'd arrived because of their history, because of their name, because the Jews were God's chosen people. Two, because they had God's law, and therefore a reason to boast in God. And point number three, because they had the responsibility of teaching God's decree, and therefore thought themselves a guide to the blind. Remember, uh, the Jews were God's chosen people, and through this, this offspring of Abraham, all nations are going to be blessed. And they know this. So they kind of have a little bit of pride. All right, so let's not just beat on the Jews here. Let's look at the full scope, because the honest truth is Christians are not immune to this. Christians are not immune to the fact that uh, we believe sometimes that we've arrived, that we're already there. Many Christians think that they have the moral high ground simply because they bear the name Christian. So I walk into a room and um, all of a sudden I can start dishing out advice and telling everyone what to do because I am a Christian. No matter what I did before I walked into that room, that all of a sudden I can walk into a room and say whatever I want in whatever way I want and you have to listen because I'm a Christian. Politicians continually try and appeal to use the Christian moral high ground argument. Now, I am not going to point out any politicians in general, but I ask you to take this statement and consider this for a second with some of the debates that we heard over the past few months before COVID set in. A lot of those ladies and gentlemen were using God's word planning themselves up, interpreting it for themselves so they could be on the moral high ground. Politicians do this all the time. They take something entirely unbiblical and then they claim the name of Christ and stand on that high ground. But notice in this passage that we're reading right here, Paul makes a very clear distinction 
a very clear distinction, and I'm going to point that out to you. Let's look at that verse. I've underlined this distinction. But if you call yourself, everyone see those four words right there? But if you call yourself, so stop wherever you are, repeat these four words with me. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God. What's it say? If who calls you a Jew? If you call yourself a Jew. Look at the verse again. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God, they do the same thing Christians do all the time. This is exactly what they were doing. Well, I'm a Christian, so all of a sudden you have to listen to everything I say no matter how out of context it is. All of a sudden, the fact that I am a Christian now takes precedence over anything you have to say, whether or not I'm quoting the Bible, whether or not I'm reading it in its context. All of a sudden, just because of who I am, I have arrived, and you must listen to me. This is not what the Scriptures teach. I want you to take just a second this morning and look at their certainty, the certainty of these Jews that Paul is is talking to here. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on, on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve of what is excellent because you are instructed from the law and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind a light to those who are in darkness an instructor of the foolish a teacher of children having the law in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth I want you to look at just a couple things right here first off they call themselves Jews This is a title that they throw around. It's something they're proud of. They should be proud of it. They're God's chosen people. It does not give them the moral high ground. Notice, secondly, what are they doing? They boast in God. But is their boast really in God? If you and I walk around and we live however we want, and then we throw it in other people's faces that they are not living the way that they're supposed to, are we really boasting in God? They definitely weren't. Notice point number three, what they were doing. They were approving of what is excellent. Why? Because they receive instruction from the law. Notice, nowhere in here is Paul giving um, some sort of um, praise or encouragement for the way they were being. It's because they weren't living out the gospel. No, instead, they had this preach it but don't live it attitude. And it's a very, very, very difficult thing to hide. Hypocrisy is written all over our faces. So because they have the law, they have the ability to approve of what is excellent, and they do. Point number four, they are sure they are a light, a guide, and an instructor. Paul says, if you, if you, if you, if you, these are things these people believed. They believed these things. So they receive our official certificate of hypocrisy. This award certifies the following named person, a Jew by name only, as a hypocrite of the first order for saying one thing and doing just the opposite. So the question is, can a Christian be a hypocrite? Well, think about that for just a second. Can we? Can we be hypocrites? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Christians are hypocrites a lot. I had someone say to me just a little while ago, The reason I reject religion is because of all the hypocrites that are in the church. So, man, that's one of the things that drove me to the church because I'm not alone anymore. Sit with a bunch of people and we're all hypocrites, but we're all under the grace of God. And I love that because it's true. Of the top objections to Christianity, Don Stewart points out objection number two there are too many hypocrites. You've all heard this. 
The reason we invite people to church and they don't want to come is because they don't want to come and be seated with a bunch of hypocrites. One common excuse that is used to reject the Christian faith concerns the number of hypocrites in the church. A hypocrite is an actor, a person who puts on a false face. He is saying one thing, yet he does something else. Examples of hypocrisy, both past and present, are readily pointed to, many of which involve people in the ministry. This supposedly invalidates the Christian faith. That's a sad statement right there. The fact that we are hypocrites invalidates the entire Christian faith. Yes, there are people today who go to church and are hypocrites. Their lives are inconsistent with what they say they believe. This, however, does not invalidate Christianity. Get that point. Get that point, please. Just because we are hypocritical in the way that we live, that's not a good thing, but that does not invalidate all that Christ has done. Now, shame on me for living that way. Shame on us all for when we live that way, but it does not invalidate the cross. It doesn't take away one ounce of power from the gospel message. It just demonstrates that some people who claim to be Christians are hypocrites. For every example of a hypocrite, a counterexample of someone living consistently with his Christian belief can be observed. See pictures like this. We need to get off the God standard. You see, the sad thing is, so often... Christians live inconsistently with what they say they believe, that when we actually have a message to preach, it lands on deaf ears. When we actually have something that we can say, something biblically to an issue, people don't want to listen. They stop their ears because they've already seen our hypocrisy. Now, there is a road back. It's called repentance. You and I can live hypocritically today. And before you go to sleep tonight, you can ask God to clean you, to make you new once again. Not to die on the cross again, that's been done. Not to forgive your past sins, that's been done. Forgive the sins that you're committing now, yes. He will do that, he's promised us that. First John 1, he's pr- promised us this. It's there. First John 1, he is, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Pictures like this one should break our hearts. It should break our hearts because we've lost our hearing. But we can regain that, brothers and sisters. We can regain that hearing once again by repentance. Tomorrow, start living the life that you say you believe. Do it before you go to bed. Start living that life and let them see that. Let them see no more hypocrisy. When they say, oh, well, you said this last week, say, well, I was a hypocrite last week. And I'm trying not to be a hypocrite anymore. It's just honesty. Just honesty. According to author and social critic Os Guinness, the challenge of hypocrisy is second only to the problem of suffering and evil and is one of the main reasons people duck the challenge of the gospel. So notice that's second. The first thing you'll hear from many people that you talk to, uh, why don't you go to church? Or are you a Christian? No, I don't, I don't believe in any of that stuff. You see, because a good God wouldn't allow us to go through this stuff. A good God wouldn't allow COVID to be taking lives. And we know that's just not true. 
That's a false perception that we have given for so many years. And as the health and wealth gospel continues to build and all of these crazy Christians are out there trying to raise the dead, all that does is puts a stain on our faces that it's very, very difficult to wipe off, especially when it's churches of thousands of people that are doing this just crazy, crazy demonstration of the Christian faith in front of the entire world, and then they look at all of us like we're crazy. When it's these people that are out there claiming these preposterous things, if you give all your money to this mission, God will start blessing you and it doesn't happen, then what? Then what? So the problem of suffering and evil, when we overcome that by lying to people and saying, well, if you just give more, then God would bless your bank account. God would give you a million dollars if you just gave all that you had to the church. When we give lies like that, well, God will remove your suffering. God wants to heal you of this illness. Friends, Sometimes God does not want to heal you of the illness, which is why you are not healed. Sometimes the best healing that God can give is to take us out of here. And that is so difficult. It's so difficult, and it's not a conversation that you have uh, all the time. Sometimes the pain that I have in my neck is here as my thorn in the flesh. Or Paul said to God, would you remove the thorn from my flesh? He said, my grace is sufficient for you. Friends, God's grace is sufficient for you. Through what we're experiencing right now, God's grace is sufficient for you. So the problem of pain and suffering, they can toss that in our faces all day long, and that is first, and it's difficult to overcome. Apart from that theology that we build on, that creation, fall, redemption, where we say this world was once without these things, we messed it up, but Christ is redeeming all that. So yes, there will be a day when there's no more sickness, no more suffering, no more sorrow, but that's not now. In the meantime, we are living on this side of the cross in the glory of the gospel. And that's the only answer that we have for the problem of suffering and evil. But the second reason people duck the Christian faith is because of our hypocrisy. And that is really sad. Notice what Oz Guinness goes on to say. There is an important difference between the source of a truth claim and the standard by which it should be assessed. It is therefore wrong to reject a claim just because of the character and condition of its source. Amen. Hallelujah. I am a broken man. We are broken people. And we mess up. And we sin. And that does not undo the entire gospel message. It may undo the platform from which we stand, at least for a time. And there is repentance. There is forgiveness for that. There is redemption. In two weeks, you may be able to speak on something you were not able to speak on today because this is something that we actually do have control over. Oh, I said the wrong thing. Well, yeah, that wasn't because we didn't have a choice. I did the wrong thing again. It wasn't because we didn't have a choice. Notice, the issue is always truth. You all see that? And truth is not a matter of where someone is coming from or how oddly or shabbily they have behaved in the past before making the claim. If the Christian faith is true, if the Christian faith is true, it would still be true even if no one believed it. Think about that for a minute. Even if no one believed, it would not take away one ounce, not one one measure of truth from the gospel message. Or if all who did were hypocrites, and if it is false, would still be false even if everyone believed it and there was no apparent hypocrisy in their behavior. 
I was going to say that. Religious hypocrisy drives people away. There is no way we can look at this any differently. When you and I live hypocritically, we drive people farther from the cross. When we say we believe one thing and we act a different way, say things that is not in line with the gospel, we drive people away from the cross. Now, does that mean that they will be eternally driven from the cross? No, it just means that we were a stumbling block instead of a step. It means instead of planting seeds, we sprinkled out salt water. All right, so what we were supposed to be doing, we messed up. It does not mean that plant is not going to thrive, not going to grow. That's not the way the gospel works. The gospel does not rely completely and totally on you and one conversation, which is why I do not believe in pray the prayer evangelism. The gospel does not depend on you. It does not depend on me. We are simply planting seeds, watering seeds. That's what we do. God is the one that brings forth the fruit. So question, what is the solution? What is it? Look back at this verse just one more time, this selection of verses. For the circumcision, for circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. In other words, if you are a, say it, hypocrite. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly. This is the point we're going to make here. But a Jew is one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. What's being said here? The gospel has to affect the heart. It has to affect the heart. You can do all the outward behaviors expected of a believer, but if it isn't coming from a surrendered heart, it's hypocrisy. Oh, what do you mean? Well, you can do nice, good things, like you can go to church. If I go to church, yet my heart is not surrendered to God, it counts as absolutely nothing. You can tithe. You can toss every red cent you have. You can clean out your 401k, your retirement. You can take an advance out on your paycheck this week and give it to the church. If that does not come from a surrendered heart, it means absolutely and completely nothing. You can give the missions. It's a good thing. They need our support. But if that giving is not coming from a surrendered heart, if that's not out of a heart of worship, it means nothing. Nothing. You lead a Bible study. Leading a Bible study is a really, really good thing. If God has so gifted you and equipped you to know the Bible well enough to teach others, that is a good thing. But if you are doing it out of a heart that is not surrendered to Christ, it's worth nothing. Outwardly, all these things just listed and many others may look like good things. These things may look good. What does Jesus say about that? This is the most vital question we can ask. You'll hear me ask this question and one other quite often, which is pretty much the same question. It is the same question. What does the Bible say? What does Jesus say? It is his word, after all. What does he say about this? 
about all these outward signs, things that look good. What does he say? He says in Matthew 23, verses 25 to 26, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. See, they had things all figured out. Outside of the cup, cup looks good. Everything's clean. My life looks good. But the inside is full of rot. They're hypocrites. Their hearts are not surrendered. As Christians, we are not immune to hypocrisy. Get those thoughts out of your head. I hear this from so many people. Well, I'm a Christian. Good for you. So am I. So am I. And according to polls, so are 75% of the United States. And how many of us live hypocritically? If any of us thinks that we're above it, I want you all to think of the glorious sermon by the Apostle Peter where he stood up in Acts. And he said, you killed him. You killed Jesus. This is on you. He stood up and he called them out on their sins. They, they couldn't deny it. It cut them to the heart. They said, what shall we do? And 3,000 of them were saved. This same exact Peter that preached this awesome sermon had a confrontation with Paul. This is after that sermon. So he's a believer. He saw the resurrected Christ. He ate breakfast with him. And Paul that murderer of Christians, now become a Christian himself. Saul, having a, a changed name because of a changed heart, because of an experience with Christ, because of divine revelation, because of coming face to face with the resurrected Christ on that road, comes face to face with the Apostle Peter. In Galatians 2, 11-14 says this, But when Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I suppose, excuse me, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. So Peter was living among the Gentiles. He's eating, he's fellowshipping with them. All of a sudden, some Jews show up and he retreats to his bedroom. I'm not going to eat with you guys today. I have other things to do. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Wow. See, there was this idea going on that Peter could live one way when he was with the Gentiles and live another way when he was with the Jews. And that is out of step with the gospel. And Paul pointed that out. As Christians, we also have no excuse for hypocrisy. None. It's not like we can sit down and say, oh, well, you see, here's the thing, God. No, doesn't work. Well, if you only understood, no, he understands. He knows when you and I are living in step with the gospel and when we're living out. And when we are living out of step with the gospel, there is repentance. When we're living in step with the gospel, there is glory. There is grace and there is mercy and there is light emanating from your life. You are at that point a city on a hill and we all know that it happens way more infrequent than it should. Our conduct must 
be in step with the gospel. That was the condemnation that Paul gave to Peter. He wasn't living in step with the gospel. Our conduct as Christians in 2020 during COVID-19 or after COVID-19 is over must be in step with the gospel. And when it is out of step, it needs to be brought back in step with the gospel. So what does this passage show us? What does it show us? That we as Christians are not above hypocrisy. And not only are we not above hypocrisy, we have no excuse for it. If Peter had no excuse for it, friends, you and I have no excuse for it. But there's good news. Good news for the Christians. You and I, we can run to the Father. We can run to the Father. In the moment when you and I realize that we are carrying around a Christian name through the dirt, through the mud, when we are being hypocrites, we can run to God through Christ. And we can confess, and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Why? Because those sins are paid for. Because all the messing up that you and I did, that's been paid for. Every time you and I have acted hypocritically, Christ had that poured out on his shoulders on the cross. We say the wrong thing. You and I are involved in a conversation that we shouldn't even be in to begin with. We slip up and say the wrong thing. Christ bore that too. All we need to do is come to him and confess. And scripture says that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Why can we run to the Father? Because Christ did with his arms wide open to take on his shoulders the sin of us all that we might not only know God is God, but that you and I could also know him as Father. Let's pray together.